when I see like random Zoom backgrounds or like what people I like having their backgrounds, I just think like, yeah, YouTubers really do like, even when they have a plain background, really do set it up. <laughs> Cause it's like, it's just always so jank. Yeah. I was going to say, I've got this really weird, um, like queer alpaca up on my bookshelf. I love it. And I, well, we don't have a, we don't have anywhere else to put it. So it just lives there next to my Waluigi hat. Uh, and it's on, it's in all my classes. Pastel rainbow alpaca. <laughs> I just have a lamp and a plant. A lamp. Yeah. That's, it's, uh, it's dumb. I'm covering up the only thing in the basement that's like noteworthy. It's like my well organized mm. shelf. But that's where I live. Right in the middle. Yeah. I, even if I close, like, so the, obviously the thing in mine is the closet, but it, it's a mirror. So it's like, even if I close it, it's just going to mirror and have all sorts of weird shit. So <laughs> Look at the great. back of your head. <laughs> Neither of them are very fun. <laughs> <It's> not great. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah. I really should just, I, I never, I hate the mirrors. I never use them. Um, I really should just cover them up with like wallpaper or <laughs> Mal just use cardboard or uh, not cardboard. What's it called? Um, construction paper. Oh, are the mirrors like built in? Like you can't. Yeah, they're 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 the doors of the of the closet. Oh, that's terrible! I hate that. Yeah, yeah my parents' place fun. has that. Ugh, that's like that's some fucking nineties shit. Okay. Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my chocolate factory. And I should warn you that one of us always tells the truth, and one of us always lies. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Hello and welcome to Fans Labyrinth, the podcast where we talk about your favorite genre movies and I fucked it up. Wow, we haven't had a fuck up in a while. Um, I, I heard it as monster it was flicks. happening. <laughs> Leave it in. Yeah, as it, in. it was happening. I heard it. <laughs> Whatever. People know the intro. We're... This is our forty-second episode. Uh-huh. No, that's that's one. No, that's one that's being edited. Is the forty-second? Ah, yeah. I was like, that would be fun. Happy forty-third. Like, we'll just make this the forty-second, and I'll do the publish it one later. Yeah, just because I've said it now. It's gotta be. What even is the one that's editing right now? I don't even remember what we uh, Hunter 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 oh, Hunter. Yeah, yeah. God, the one we really sucked. loved and it was very memorable. Fuck, that was bad. <laughs> that was a shit movie. That was, well, that was yeah, not good. Not the episode. Let's not. Let's not. The this comes episode, after you know? presumably they should have fucking yes, listened to it yeah. already. Spoilers, we didn't like it. <laughs> mm. yeah, no, it's not. It's not the spoilers. Order. I just mean like doesn't feel like a great selling point no. to the episode. That's fair. The episode's okay. Okay, we'll just. I was gonna say like, how are you guys doing? We uh, we already talked. We already talked about how we're doing. We're all not doing good. Yeah, <laughs> but we're gonna talk about how are you doing, our audience? Comfort. Media, yeah, that's a better way to do. Yeah, are we literally just gonna jump right into media because all of us are like not look? Great? I don't. Th- yeah, none of us want. It's the about. dark months, man. It's like it's like deep in the in the Canadian frost months. Like no one's having a good time. No, let's be real. The convoy protesters made their way through downtown. Oh god. The other day. See, I was going to say I just haven't seen the sun in a while, but it looks like those people just finally came out from under their rocks. Did yeah. you encounter anything about it, uh, Des? Oh, no, thankfully not. No, I, uh, <laughs> no, I haven't. I, I'm usually pretty acerbic, so, like, I usually 
try to weasel my way into those crowds so I can mock them like publicly. Oh my god! Um, but no, I, I I've been so Not busy with school. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, I, um, too busy. This is like nine thirty on a fucking Wednesday. They come blaring through with their horns and their yeah. like, fuck Trudeau flags on the back of their pickups. Yeah, I have noticed. That's actually one thing in my neighborhood I've noticed is I've seen a few windows with fuck Trudeau in them. So, nice. which I don't think I've seen before, or at least I didn't notice. I feel like if you can summarize your political views with uh, like a single banner that you can hang from a car or from a window, your views are probably not incredibly nuanced or worth discussing. That's just me, though. I do find it weird how, like, at these convoy protests, there's, like, these Nazi flags, but then flying right next to them are, like, censored fuck Trudeau flags. Like, <laughs> F asterisk CK yeah. Trudeau. Yeah. And I'm like, Look, it just Canadian. feels like... We have to keep it keep feels it simple. like a weird line in the sand to draw. Like, Nazis, eh, maybe, but cursing. Not in this house. No, no, no. This is a good Christian household. We dislike minorities and we praise jesus i guess i don't know yeah i don't really get it but it just it like i know it's like the most minor issue to have when there's nazis present in a protest like there's definitely bigger fish to fry in this situation but it does feel weird to be like Mm. i can't curse but i can hang out with the neo-nazis speaking of fish (laughs) fish we were that is like the <laughs> Lydia, you, non sequitur from like, like on that joke. That was not recording. <laughs> it's not on the recording. It doesn't make sense to anybody else. No, I was gonna say, uh, what do you, what do you guys, what are you guys' opinions on the band Fish? No one likes Fish. No, I don't. I've never heard of this band. No one under the age of sixty-five even knows who <laughs> Fish is. It's like such a weirdly specific joke. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I wanted to change the tone for something lighter. Oh my god! <laughs> no. Bringing it we're, back we're, around we're in for the good this old days of yeah. fish. Yeah, let's let's jump into it. Lydia, did you want to start us off with anything? No. Okay, Lydia's, <laughs> no, Lydia's I'm out. Here. I'm, <laughs> good. Lydia's no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. It's just like the like. Our, our mental states are reflecting our, our our mental <laughs> states are, are reflecting really heavily on the content right now just the i'm just i tired i think i'm like we're getting through some goddamn media hmm. and then we're finishing this episode joseph has like no fucking no fucking patience for us <laughs> i'm running At on three all. hours of sleep uh yeah so i watched uh that new reacher show on amazon prime oh yeah reacher guy from titans yeah jack jack reacher oh that that thing's still going yeah 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 the lee child books are still going too um but the Mm. the movie that they made originally was fucking tom cruise which is insane because the jack reacher character is like a six foot five blonde 27 year old man and they cast tom cruise (laughs) a upwards of 60 year old five foot six brunette man it's like very odd casting choice for those movies but the tv show has the guy who played hawk in the shitty titans show you know the really bad Titans show. oh yes yeah it's got that guy the Wait, one where like, they just say he's... fuck batman a bunch yeah. yeah yeah so it's got that guy in it i don't know his name he, that's the only thing I've ever seen. That's him in. But he is like he, he is like six four and blonde, um, little older, but like suits the vibe, and he's very funny, and like it's just very bingeable. Like it's just charming and action packed, and like 
fun. It's just stupid fun. And I liked it. And if you're depressed and want to watch something that you don't have to focus on, this takes very little effort. I tried to get into Alex Ryan, which reminded me of this, but for like younger audiences. Mm, And it was it was like it was like not good, but it was like weirdly like fun enough that I felt like if I was in a different mood at the time, I could have made it work. I don't know. Is that Alex Pettifer? He plays. I do not know. I think I think that's who it is. But yeah, it's kind of a YA Jack Reacher is my the vibes I get. Yeah. But it was, I think it's, those are based on books, too. Like some book series. So. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, it's just dumb fun. It's a good mystery. Lots of action. Yeah, they don't really do action seasons that much. Like action show seasons. No, and I feel like, I feel like action That's movies new. that are like... Action movies that don't take themselves like aggressively seriously are fairly uncommon these days. And this one is like... Still action-packed, it has some serious tones, but, like, a lot of it is just, like, flippant and sort of snarky and, like, just kind of, like, fun and easy to watch. And I feel like you don't get that as often. Um, You either get, like, the super, like, ostentatious and, like, overly hokey shit, like Fast and Furious, which I do love, or you get things that, like, should be more fun but take themselves often, like, way too seriously like mm. even even some of those later mission impossible movies are like very up their own ass even though i really like them yeah okay i'll well i'll just i'll just jump in with one i have like i have two basic things to talk about today and both are very good it's sort of unfortunate that i'm not in the greatest mood to be talking about them but big big one for me is the last season of the expanse came out ended and I watched it. It was only six episodes, which are shorter than their regular seasons. They hold a Game of Thrones on you. Yeah. The, the, it seemed to be that the problem was budget. That the show didn't have a big enough audience for the cost per episode, which was quite high, but still about half the price of like a full like Wheel of Time, Witcher, Game of Thrones. Like it's about half the price of those. But, it you know, that's still expensive. Yeah, they just couldn't justify any more episodes in the season. That being given... They did an excellent job in wrapping up the series. What's disappointing is that the books go on for quite a bit longer, but there is a 30-year time gap. So this is the point in the story where some events end and then the next book starts after a 30-year gap. So actually, it's a kind of interesting point because they could even recast. They could have to wait till the actors get older and things. Like there's actually opportunities for the show to come back and actually finish up the uh um, final biz which is that's really convenient it's a weird position to be in yeah, yeah that works out really well were you satisfied with how it ended i know that um, yes. you guys have been talking about it for the last couple episodes yes i am happy with it i thought it ended well and yeah i i talked to a bunch of people after finishing it about my thoughts some people really really love the show overall i feel more mixed bag the problem isn't that the show has like a nosedive moment or whatever. I think basically the whole show is consistently good. The problem is it rarely for me reaches past like an 8 to 8.5 out of 10. So it's like it's very consistently wavering between 7.5 and 8.5 um, with some really bad moments and some really excellent moments. Yeah. And those really excellent moments actually really hold my attention and really keep me happy. But they're kind of marred by a bunch of really bad moments too. Like, or moments I'm just not interested in. And so one of the things I was talking about was there's overarching the whole story. It's very similar to Game of Thrones in the sense that there is 
a White Walkers type story of a foreign entity, which is something called the proto-molecule in it, which takes up a huge amount of plot and it's very integral to it. Then there's the politics between the three nations, Mars, Earth, and the Belters. The Belters storyline, like Prince Zuko in the Avatar The Last Airbender, is the clear best like thing in the show. Like the Belter storyline is this amazing story of rebellion, the discomfort of people on the margins and them trying to get a seat at the table. And that's what I think the final season cinched. They finished the Belter storyline perfectly and they really made those characters amazing. The other aspects of the show, like what the hell was the purpose of Mars in the show in general, <laughs> uh, are less hit on uh, well. So... And then the problem is they they have to build up the next story for the potential for a future, which doesn't go anywhere because it's the build up towards the next thing. So they kind of waste like a whole episode's worth of content in building what the other plots are going to be doing. That sounds like a bit of a curse, right? Because like fewer episodes, like a future to set up, but also like, like you said, like having to kind of walk the line of like being close to like perfection or maybe not perfection, but close to like, you know of like great historical quality throughout but never getting to kind of reach that climax sounds like it's good that it had a good ending because like that's the thing that i think yeah. a lot of places uh, a lot of shows cannot a lot of show writers cannot nail but yeah mm -hmm. it sounds like sounds like uh well especially given that they were forced down to like such a few episodes one of the problems is so there's so few episodes and then they wasted like a whole episode's worth of content like it's spread throughout the episodes but they waste a whole episode on this plotline that isn't relevant to this ending so you basically had five episodes to wrap everything up so everything is very tie the knot right it's like character has an arc we're gonna crush that arc into a, a finale right and they do it well like they hit great marks for each character it's just that that's it like that's what we're doing like we're just hitting 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 you can get a bit and of fatigue so, from that i imagine just like yeah i just seeing didn't everything feel like, close so quickly yeah i didn't feel a sense of you know room to have moments and the climax is good but ultimately regular i think is the thing too it's an it's a satisfying but predictable uh end except for a few moments and so i'm just not a i'm not a huge fan of predictable endings so it just didn't like enlighten me to more that the show has to say in this season emotionally it's very satisfying I, I think I think closure, like you said, is 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 a is a huge part of actually having a satisfying ending for a show. But like like you said, right, it needs to breathe a little bit. And I think that's usually where I think a lot of shows miss the mark is they either let the quiet after everything is resolved linger too long or they rush everything and don't let it breathe at all. I don't know where the line sits, you know, like yeah. like functionally, mechanically, but it's yeah. I think that's that's a that's a very delicate place to be messing with uh, the, the the small numbers. Yeah, it's funny. It actually reminds me of a book. I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast, but I, there's this book series I started and I, I want to continue with, which is Becky Chambers' uh, "Long Way to a Small Angry Planet," and that is about like a found family crew, different alien species coming together on like a uh, what's that one? Firefly type sort of crew vessel, and they have a job to do, and. That's similar to the, the sort of tight storyline of The Expanse, which is about a crew of the different political factions all coming together in one ship. And in that one, it's a similar thing for me where it's like, I'd like the Becky Chambers book, A Small Way to a, a Small Angry Planet, except that it feels 
like it doesn't transcend its once you understand the premise, it's going to be those good feels found family. Each one of them is going to have their backstory and tell you it like Firefly. And then we're going to, you know, satisfyingly move through character arcs. And it's like, I love those types of shows, but I just I, I kind of need a divergence. I kind of need something to like pump it up a little bit for me I'll, to shock me a bit out of it. That does sound like a good I feel like a novel is a, or even a series of novels is a good way to consume that kind of story. Like, personally, for me, Firefly yeah. didn't click, but, like... What? Firefly obviously needed to have more seasons. I, yeah, and, and that's, that's that's like, an argument I hear quite a bit. Um, but, like, I'm, I'm thinking immediately, as soon as you said that, like, of the Mass Effect games, how, like, that's kind of the premise... Mm-hmm. Like, uh, not, not the premise of the, sh- of the of the series, but it's, like, it's the, uh, it's the anchor, like, the emotional anchor for all the plots is that the ship is the melting pot. And it's confined quarters, so, like, everyone needs to get along so that the future can be saved kind of thing. But slowly, each character kind of, like, envelops themselves in the plot in a way that sheds light on their background while also furthering the actual plot. I feel like um, a series of novels would be a really good way to digest that story. Whereas, like, I think, like, the the formula is, like, it's it's been done, right? It's now its own, like, living trope. But I'd rather not see it in a show. I'd rather see it in a series of books, I think, these days. Well, and, yeah, I mean, The Expanse is based off a series of books. So, I mean, fair enough. Yeah, you yeah. Know? But yeah, I, I'm satisfied with the ending. I think they did an amazing job with what what they have. And I, you know, it's it was it was a small moment of that, like end of an era for me, where I was just like, it was a show I'd been watching for at least four years, maybe five or six. It was just one, you know, you know that moment where you've been with something for a while oh, yeah. and you're just like, I pick it up each season. And it's just, it's over now. That's how I felt with Criminal Minds, which is, you know. Oh, that I, was a big I, one for you. Ter- not terrible, but it's like nowhere near as like quality of a show as many of the other things that we watch. It's not prestige television, but it was on for fifteen years. Holy and shit! And I got into it in the first season, and like stuck 15 with fifteen years at least. Yeah, that is it was, nuts. Well, it's fifteen That's seasons, huge. so yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's, I did, sometimes they do seasons like there might be gap years or there might be yeah. um, doubles in a year. So that's probably I it's about fifteen years. Don't think there were any gap years um but like obviously it starts in the fall and goes through to the spring so it hmm. crosses years but overall it's about 15 years 15 years yep supernatural too yeah but i stopped watching supernatural at like season seven or eight because mm-hmm. it started to suck <laughs> yeah i think i think i ended up season same same day. it's seven or eight i don't think i got to eight but yes yes did you have something I was about to say that I'm not like I almost never fall like deep into serial TV. Um, I, I have a hard time sticking with something, um, especially when quality can fluctuate like across multiple years. Um, but, but funnily enough, I was watching more Star Trek TNG, so I guess that point mm-hmm. is kind of moot uh, when it comes, especially when it yeah. comes to like Star Trek fluctuating like the, yeah, quality, the, especially for sci-fi people. Like it's one of the ones that definitely, yeah. Oh, um, don't you remember? Uh, Des isn't a sci-fi person. No, no, I know. Avoid <sighs> that. How could you? You would never watch Andromeda, so therefore. Andromeda. Do you not know that one? No. So like, it's it was like a really bad Star Trek ripoff from. Do you know Farscape? No. Maybe you aren't a sci-fi fan. Even even <laughs> I know these. I, I I guess that says something. Maybe I'm a liar. Uh- <laughs> were you an SG One fan? I've never watched mm. an episode of that. It, it looks really? it looks Maybe like the grossest sci-fi schlocky fan. sci-fi. <laughs> no, actually, it's okay, so good. the other two are terrible. The other two are actually terrible. Farscape can be fun in a certain way, but it's definitely 
not very good. Stargate SG-1, yeah, it's, it's, it's schlocky. It's kind of Xena yeah. era kind of feeling. <laughs> Space Egyptians but, or something. Yeah, but the storylines are solid. Hmm. Like, it is it is Star Trek. Like, there's some Star Trek moments in there. I've been told to watch it. I hate that it's very military-based, oh, yeah. but that's just what it is. I think a lot of sci-fi has to lean on that because, like, like it, you get to skip the 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 suspension of disbelief if you just base it in American military because everyone's just like, oh yeah, we get how that works. There's there's one guy who's at the top who screams down, and everyone has to work to make him like them. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's also just like not aesthetically a fun thing it's to do because it's like they all yeah. are wearing camo constantly, and they they're in this like concrete facility at all times. It's just like this is not the most aesthetically yeah. pleasing. Uh, set I, I, to be stuck in. As someone but who also, like, as, like, just I was just gonna say, like, logically, if we got to that level of space travel, you know, it would be owned by the military. Like, it's, oh yeah, it's just logically how it would go. So I feel like it's oh, easy yeah, yeah. to accept because it makes sense. It's like, of course, yeah, of course, it would be owned. Like these kinds of expeditions, like especially in SG One, yep. would be owned by oh, with some the funding military. needed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it 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 certainly makes sense. I just think there is other ways to like get around that to make it a more interesting uh, aesthetic. Yeah, I think I think I'm just um, I. You know, it's 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 same with the movie. Like I don't like detectives who are in like things, but Sherlock, not a real detective, gets to be aesthetically all yeah. Living his, you know, bohemian uh, bohemian room, oh, it, doing, doing yeah. drugs. Much more fun for me. I as as uh, for people who grew yeah, up I in love like a the heroin chic detective. <laughs> Me too. For people okay. who grew up like post 9-11, I, I think it's really um, tired to see just like every story have to be told through the perspective of like U.S. military. That said, mm. I've, I've been told by a bunch of people uh, to watch uh, Stargate. I'm yeah, just and the, but the terrified. Thing is this, I've, I've complained about this a million times. It's not on any major streaming service. It's one of, of the course. only big shows I can think of that's not on any major streaming service and never has. I don't get it. I, so I, I also, I never heard of this. I didn't hear about this show until someone told me to watch it, but I was told to watch Babylon 5. Uh, is that a, oh, is that a respectable sci-fi? <laughs> I've, I've never seen it because that, that's like before my era. I think that's like 80s or something. Oh, really? I think so. Oh, I don't it's think like it's like a remake old. or something. Oh, okay. I don't think Babylon 5 um, is that old. Yeah, I've been told, uh, I think my therapist I thought it was like the, I thought it was running the same time as like original Battlestar Galactica. OG no. Battlestar. Battlestar was like Babylon. 70s. Babylon Five was ninety three to ninety eight. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So so you're looking more like post TNG, like sliders. You remember sliders? No. <laughs> God, I, don't know I never watched bad. it though. It's Those are the Jerry sandwiches. Jerry O'Connell, Jerry O'Connell, the fat kid from Stand by Me, who went on to marry Rebecca Romaine after she divorced John Stamos. These are all references that go over my head. <laughs> you ever seen Stand by Me? No. Oh man, it's. I know really I'm not good. a not a real start uh, not a real sci-fi fan. Oh, it's not it's not sci-fi. It's not sci-fi. Stand by Me <laughs> is based on a short story by Stephen King, um, and it's about like a group of like preteen boys who go on like a summer adventure together um, mm. because they hear that there's like like, like a, a haunted body toaster out in the woods. And they're like, let's go see if it's really there. So they go on this like adventure of like just like hours and hours of like walking and hiking and partying and having fun and stuff to find this like potential dead body. Just boy things. 
just boys being boys. Well, it's set, it's set in like the <laughs> 50s, right? So like their level of entertainment is pretty like. I don't know. Throw low. some rocks at like birds or something. I don't know. I'm not Stephen King. He was having fun doing other things. It's a good movie, though. <laughs> it's got a very young River Phoenix. Oh, nice. Oh, I actually do know that name. Yeah, Joaquin Phoenix's brother who OD'd mm-hmm. outside the Viper Room. Yeah, we I learned that uh, af- when we were watching um, The Master. Learned- yeah. yeah, you learned yeah. that from me. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. That's where I get all my murder mystery yeah. information. <laughs> Johnny-, Johnny Depp's nightclub, The Viper Room. Yeah, yeah. That's You also taught me that. Well. <laughs> Well, I think I think I was trying to say that I watched a bunch of Star Trek. Not the OD, because, the Johnny uh, Depp's having a <laughs> yeah, Johnny Depp's weird bar. It was like peak '90s energy, and it was like an anything goes club. So everybody was just doing like just railing fucking mm. blow. Oh, of course, yeah. Place. If he if he owned a chain of nightclubs called like the Devil's Armpit, I would not be surprised. Like that just seems like on brand for him. TV. <gasps> TV actually gave me a weird impression of clubs that, that when I went to clubs, I really assumed there's always like giant back rooms like steaming with people just naked fucking each other. In <laughs> truth, like, in truth, they're just mon- laundering money in the basement. Mm. Oh, did I tell you guys that I'm pretty sure the variety store at the bottom of my new apartment building is like a front for criminal activity? <laughs> no, that's funny. I know someone who worked there. It's quasi oh, really? legit. The variety store is like a 10 by 10 prison cell and his inventory is like wildly incon- I feel like he just goes to other variety stores and buys their stock and then yeah. sells it in his store. He he makes his entire rent on cigarettes and selling crack pipes because he does sell those but too. Even even that see that's not that's let's lending credence to my theory that it's like <laughs> it's laundering it, money or something. Is it a Southern Ontario convenience store if it doesn't sell crack pipes? That's that's my question. Mm. Uh, and there's of no them answer. Sell, like, bongs, Mo- like not too many sell actual crack pipes. I don't know. Lots of crack pipes popping up in the convenience stores these but, days. But like even even the cigarettes and like vape stuff that he sells is like mad inconsistent. It's just this like open glass case that you can look yeah. in. He's like, if I have it, you can buy it. I'm like, yeah. What does that mean? It it, it almost has like the vibe what of a con- practice. Is this? It, it, it it's it's almost like a convenience store run by an antiquarian because he just goes out and he's mm-hmm. like, oh, I found Hubba Bubba from twelve years ago. I'm selling it now. <laughs> That's like, what I mean. It's, like I it feel is like weird. He just like goes he's to other convenience stores. store surplus store yeah it's he just like whatever other convenience stores have too much of yeah. extra he's like okay, i went down there to buy stealth pods and he had like two, he had like two packs um and i was like do you sell stealth pods and he was like look in case if i have you can you can buy <laughs> i'm sorry it's just super weird no it's true every it time is weird. i go in there every time i go in there i'm like i feel like you would sell me opiates if i asked for them like, yeah, that's I think your vibe. I, I I had a buddy who worked there, and I'm and he basically convinced me that the guy who runs it only runs it to keep himself busy because he makes his money do, like as a landlord, basically. So he just mm-hmm. he owns like a couple shitty downtown apartments, like um. Oh, that feels very on brand for Guelph. Yeah, yeah, and so he's just like an aging Iranian man who who's just like I my kids have left. I make a passive income from other people who are struggling. I'll just sell cigarettes. <laughs> Me and my spouse did watch uh, Beetlejuice again <laughs> oh. recently because ah, uh, nice. that movie is like probably one of my top. Very rewatchable. It's probably my top three favorite movies. Um, mm-hmm. Classic Keaton. Uh, yeah, and I'm not like a I'm not a Tim Burton guy, but it's it's my if I had to say it's my favorite Tim Burton, it is. 
Uh, Because it's like... That's a very low bar. It's really easy to be (laughs) the best Tim Burton movie. I I just, I don't know any of, I don't know much of his other stuff. I haven't even seen like Nightmare Before Christmas. Which technically isn't his. That's That's not not his, his. Okay, no. yeah, I well, it's there's there's a whole dumb conversation have you had about it. I, but yeah, he he, pro- he was a producer, but it's not his. Yeah, I I honestly don't care about the man, but when I saw his name on it, when I we rewatched it now, I was like, oh shit, I like a Tim Burton. It's one of my th- top three favorite movies ever, probably. But like, it's like amateurish. It's got a humor that is uncharacteristic, I think, for the guy. And also, Michael Keaton is like he improved every single line. He's Just probably unhinged. on a drug. Uh, yeah, he's he's oh, wonderful. That was peak Coke Keaton. Yeah, and like, is it Alec Baldwin who's in it? Who is yeah, like who looks yeah, unfucking yeah. recognizable? Yeah, he's in that like twenty three. He's handsome. He's youthful. He's so skinny too. Um, he still has the same dumb voice. Like whenever he speaks, yeah. it's it's like unga bunga talk. All the Baldwins sound like that. Yeah, he he's yeah. It's like he took a severe is head it injury. Catherine O'Hara as the. Yeah, as Lydia's mom, <sighs> which is she's just the best character. I thought that was like uh, I thought that was no, Gina, Gina Davis. Gina Davis is Alec Baldwin's wife. Catherine O'Hara is Lydia Dietz's mom. Oh, you're right. Yeah, she's fucking yeah. great. She's so good. There's the whole scene where they're doing lip syncing a song because they're possessed. I could watch no. it on repeat. It's it's probably one of my favorite movies. It's a good mm-hmm. movie. It's a really good movie. Everything from how like how much of a caricature each of the, the the players are down to like the subtle not so subtle humor about like new york yuppies and and like the the mom's failing art career all of it was fucking too funny yeah just love it also like winona Ryder was mm-hmm. like my childhood really crush good. so oh, uh, yeah. maybe that's why i wear black all the time i love that movie i love it so yeah good. it gets oh I, I was gonna say it gives me the same vibes as like like i would almost want to do like a triple feature that hocus pocus and <sighs> Adam's family. Adam's, it, yeah, you, it. you figured it out. Yeah, and that, I'm just that's like, the there's 90s something trio. about that, like, yeah, that like that really set earnest. That feels like you're, you know, <sighs> that world. I love, I love like early '90s, very earnest, wholesome goth movies, and those three are perfect fits. All like all three of those are perfect fits. Even the sequel to the Adam's Family movie, Adam's Family Values. Um, well, I actually, I, good movie. I yeah. believe it's the second one. Yeah, I've seen that one countless times more it's like on tv way more or yeah something it played, than yeah. played on one. like tbs all the time it's like always yeah. on tbs and it's and it's a fine one to like, jump i into. can't remember the plot of the first one because i've seen that second one so many times at this point yeah it's just yeah. but it's amazing the, I, yeah. it's just it's amazing the second can we, one's the can one we that's do got, that uh, yeah we can do that yeah. the second one's the one that's got joan cusack right yeah and she's yeah. unhinged also she's yeah, she, nuts oh, she's amazing she's i love such her a good character actor yeah she to be fair, she plays that character a lot, but like the movie opens and she plays like haughty real estate bimbo, and then suddenly she just goes like full crazy town, and I love it. I feel it. like she plays like the principal in School of Rock character way more often than she plays. That's true. Yeah, pastel real estate agent in Adam's Family Values. Yeah, she does play like yeah strict motherly figure a lot. Mm-hmm. Who like finds her fun by the end of it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the hysteria thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. But that's that's the main thing I watched. Is I watched Beetlejuice because I just I uh, my my spouse had never seen it, and so I was like <gasps> like there, I was like, there's no chance we're going to bed tonight without watching this. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's great. 
Yeah, it's really good. It was three a, three a.m. at the time. You, yeah, it actually was. We finished at three a.m. Uh, <laughs> um, and and also like that movie's got like no burner moments. It's like it's action and comedy all the way through, aged really well. Even some of yeah. like the mm-hmm. really hokey practical effects are hokey. It looks in a, yeah it, in a way that works. Yeah, it looks intentional. Yeah, it's like it's charming. it's very charming. And it's it's not long either. Like it's like it's like a tight like ninety. It's a clean na- yeah. It's a clean ninety. It's so good. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, I beg you, please watch it. Michael Keaton never got better. Yeah. I feel like if there were dedicated podcast listeners, I feel like there's like certain like drinking games that are getting started with the the clean ninety minutes needs to be <laughs> needs to be <laughs> stopped. Also, like yeah, the because you and I both do that yeah. all the time. The emphatic the emphatic <laughs> recommendation. Uh, of of like, if you're gonna watch anything, you have to watch thirty. Yeah, the hot one thirty. Hot one thirty. Yeah. <laughs> also, That's, uh, uh, old old bitch. Oh, old Dang bitch is bitch. definitely on the bingo card. Yeah. <laughs> Des being some guy. Uh, well, I was gonna say I was gonna say a contrarian for no reason, but also a big sci-fi fan. Oh yeah, well yeah, we need to. We, we're no more. No more the Des being a sci-fi fan. Des doesn't like sci-fi. After, after you guys pulled out, uh, he is was self-identified it? as not as a sci-fi. What, what, what was that? What were the two we ones that you pulled that. out on me? Far, Farscape. Oh yeah, and and, Andromeda. And Andromeda. Yeah, yeah, fake fan. Obviously, fake fan. Yeah, you don't fake even fan. You don't even not know. a real star. Not a real sci-fi fan. Uh. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Neither of you knew about sliders, so that's the sandwiches. Who's the poser I, now? Yeah, that's just sandwiches. I know, I know the um. I know the name, but yeah, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I mean, like, I've watched lots of, like, a huge portion of Doctor Who, but, like, for example, with X-Files, like, I was never an X-Files person, so oh my it's God, just, it's, that is it's a 50-50 insane. shot for me. That's insane that you weren't into the X-Files. I've tried, yeah, many times recently. I don't necessarily think that it aged badly, but there's just something about the era of conspiracy theories that just feels so not what we think about anymore. You know, you're just like, no. Just a young, hot... David Duchovny. Mm. He was the never tea, Actually, the David Duchovny is era. fine in it. it. It's truly Jillian. Jillian Anderson is just like, just a oh, top yeah. tier. She I is love her leagues everything. ahead of him in attractiveness. I, just like, oh, I like absolutely. her character. She's a, yeah. she's a significantly better actor by far. Oh, but I her had character's a better. massive crush on Duchovny mm. back then. I mean, it didn't quite reach like the levels of my like Johnny Depp and Christian Slater crushes, but like it was up there. I'll give this to David Duchovny. Not a lot of people. Not a lot of people look like Duchovny. He's got a really no. strangely assembled uh, head. Although oddly enough, young Alec Baldwin in Beetlejuice does kind of look like young Duchovny. Oh man, I worked with someone who looked like young Alec Baldwin, like in that movie too. Like same hair, same glasses, and I shit you not, well, that'd I, be I, weird. I, I was like I was like puppy dog eyes for him for like months. <laughs> Uh, I would I would like buy him gifts and shit. <laughs> oh I, was, I was I was crushing so hard. Yeah, I hate that. I, when I was young too, I had that like really young, like like between fourteen and like nineteen. I there's just this instinct that the thing to do when you like someone is get gifts, which is like now seems insane to me. That like you just like you barely know a person. You're like to show that we're not just gonna be friends, but we're gonna be thing. Let's start transactions. Yeah. It's like oh my god. Yeah, it was a bad move. He stopped talking to me. It wasn't even a weird gift. I got him a book. No, you stopped talking to him. Uh, no, his girlfriend kept talking to me though. His girlfriend, love that. Curse her soul, uh, salt the earth. Blurs. 
I know for stealing him away from me. She got me a job that was like a way a huge upgrade, and so oh. good for her. Thank thank you to her. Oh, um, that's nice. World, I suppose your boyfriend is too hot. I feel like she very likely never realized that you were aggressively hitting on her boyfriend. She's one of our two listeners. Just you wait. Uh, well, Katie, if you hear this, oh God, I still love him. Just name dropping, cutting. That, cutting, that was editing. a fake name. I'm joking. I don't remember her name. Uh, I only remember his. I'm, I'm just cutting the that was a fake name part. Everything else. Is oh, staying. please do. Yeah. Incriminate me. Liddy, do you want to jump in with another? Oh, yeah. Did yeah. you watch Beetlejuice? Right, sure. <laughs> I've seen Beetlejuice. I did not recently rewatch Beetlejuice. You should. Maybe I will. I watched uh, the woman in the house across <laughs> oh, yeah. the street from the girl in the window <laughs> on Netflix. Yeah. Can you abbreviate yeah. that? Uh, no, <laughs> I, I can't. I could, uh, not right now. It's going to sound like you're doing scat music. Just skip it. It's starring Kristen Bell, Amazing. and the concept of this satirical show irked me so fucking much. Mm-hmm. I almost didn't watch it Damn. because, like, the reason I knew you were going to watch it. There's no way. The- <laughs> The reason, like, basically the reason Netflix made this fucking show was to make fun of a movie that Netflix made that was so bad, so poorly fucking received, called The Woman in the Window. It's a terrible movie with um, Amy Adams, which is insane that it was bad, but it was just unreasonably yep. it's shitty. definitely the worst thing she's been in that i've seen oh my god although hillbilly elegy i haven't seen so she, we we have competitors to come out how do we feel about amy adams's range i feel like i've only seen her play uh, that character in everything i don't think yeah. she has that great range <laughs> no. but her characters that i do see i love so much she's almost certainly my favorite actress right now yeah it's i have a complicated feeling about her because i i don't actually think she's a good actress because i think she can only play that type of character yeah but she plays that type of character so fucking well yeah like, sharp objects was transcendent for me i loved that miniseries yeah. it was fucking incredible but like this is the same character so, so i don't so know this this movie you're, you're talking about this new one uh is it i thought tv show it's a t- okay. I thought it was a movie. I thought it was a movie, but I yeah, I yeah, was second guessing series. myself. I thought so too when so, I saw it. Yeah. So the woman in the window is a movie with Amy Adams, atrocious. The woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window is a limited series damn. that Netflix made to make fun of the woman in the window, basically, and like any round any of applause thriller. Thank you. Uh, any thriller that is like that. So like Girl on the Train, Gone Girl. Mm-hmm sharp objects like yep. it's it's really making fun of the collective like mm-hmm. female-led thriller genre which i kind of have problems with the basis of your satire is just making fun of like female driven movies <laughs> that's kind of fucking weird but like to basically make a limited series capitalizing on how shitty the big budget movie you made is like objectively smart but incredibly yeah. fucking aggravating that's that's a galaxy brain move <laughs> yeah. it's it's got real like we have no actual creative energy we just like hired a bunch of shit posters at oh our well company. it's netflix right like they don't really yeah. have a lot of I know, oh it makes me God. angry but but it, like the worst i think the most frustrating part of it is like it's actually like really funny it's objectively a really funny show I was actually um, curious in an unexpected if, like, and like fairly dry way. 
I was expecting it to be ostentatious and like really over the top and like mm, no it's very subtle yeah I watched a couple episodes with uh, my friend Cody does each episode parody, we're gonna watch it just weekly does each episode parody a different similar no. movie no it's, no, it's literally it's just a full storyline yeah oh, okay it's one full storyline all the same characters it's one mystery through the entire it's i think it's like nine episodes or something it's one mystery through the whole series kind of like um, a jokey season of you that i like that which i, I mean you's not that serious either at this point but it's <laughs> yeah at this point it's 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 literally and i i cannot stress this enough almost the identical storyline to the woman in the window like it's 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 almost like fucking scene by scene identical i love is, the idea that they recycled their trash it's still made of the within same a year, components within a year. yeah it's made of the same components but they just like fucking transubstantiated it into a new kind of trash that is more watchable yeah and it kind of pisses me off how much it works like it's it's not bad it it's should. very watchable it's very fun and like objectively fairly funny and that makes me seethe with rage because <laughs> it's it's a, it is a very smart marketing move but it's so fucking aggravating to me and coming off hot on the heels of don't look up another satire that they made that like mm. looked so fucking aggressively mediocre and was actually like fairly watchable i'm just so pissed about it it makes me so angry <laughs> I think the funny thing about the woman across the street, let's just call it. The woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window. In the house across the street. So that one, the subtlety of the satire, it's like, this is the thing, like Cody and I watched the first two episodes and I think we just had a hard time hitting the rail. Like understanding that there's enough actual story there that there's an actual thriller plot going on that you're trying to follow. Like a decent thriller too. Like, the jokes aren't, like, punchlines. They're often just, like, she's doing something, and it's just a slightly exaggerated version of what happens in these stupid movies. And you're just like, oh, my God. Like, pouring the entire bottle of wine into a wine... Like, the wine glass looks like a normal size, and then you realize that every time she's pouring a glass, it's an entire full fucking bottle of wine. And then somebody comes over, and she pours two drinks, one for each of them, and it's two full bottles of wine. And I'm like... That's objectively, like, incredibly funny to me. That's really it's funny, so, yeah. It's so funny looking. And she's, like, making direct eye contact, having a conversation and double fisting Just like, these glug, fucking glug, bottles glug. of red. It's like, oh, God, it's so dumb, but, like, so effectively funny, and it makes me rage. This is a very specific question. Does it hit the same type of comedy as Cabin in the Woods? Like is that what it's is that the kind of direction it's gone or is it mm. or is it so specifically parroting its own property or is it just going for like a kind of open generic horror? It's very clearly parroting that specific property. Like it's okay. it's it's a parody of the whole genre, <laughs> but it is very clearly like the story is based on the woman in the window. Okay, it's a targeted but it's, attack. It, it le- oh yeah, but. It, <laughs> It sits somewhere between a parody and a satire, I feel like. It's, like, somewhere between, like, the first scary movie and Thank You for Smoking. Because it's not quite as, like, slapstick and dumb as Scary Movie, even though some of the jokes are. 
but it's not quite as like sort of snarky and pretentious as like thank you for smoking so it's like somewhere in the middle where you get some physical comedy you get some stupid jokes but then you get some like dry very sarcastic kind of like not quite intellectual <laughs> like not quite elevated but definitely above yeah. like a base comedy yeah. and you're like i it's just yeah, so I mean, weird that this you, works you could say it's like if cabin in the woods is to a certain slew of horror movies that it is making like fun of innocent right this is a certain slew of thrillers but it's just i think the thing that disconnects for me is like you really feel the horror tropes as a horror genre in cabin in the woods here i had never encircled like this particular type of thriller so cleanly in this like you really yeah, get it's very this specific. genre like it is so the genre like you're just like they wrapped it yeah cabin in the woods is making fun of like teen horror but it encapsulates so many different horror tropes. It's like it's got the slasher stuff and the haunting stuff mm-hmm. and like the possession stuff. Like it's just and like the sci-fi horror stuff. Like it just kind of brings everything in. Whereas this is like the very specific subgenre of thrillers that mm-hmm. like brought us Gone Girl and Girl on the Train and Woman in the Window and all of these different movies and books that are hyper popular. I really hate <laughs> that this is making me I want mean, to watch it's it. Fun. It's like, like not, not just it, not but also in part two. But like not just it though, but also the one it's parodying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, I God. would not recommend watching The Woman in the Window. It will piss you off with how bad it is. But I would recommend watching Sharp Objects and Gone Girl if you haven't seen those mm. two. They're based on um, Gillian Flynn books, and both are very worth watching. Gone yeah, Girl has seen... Rosamund Pike in it, and I've seen that one. I also, I've think, seen Gone I also Girl. think Girl on the Train is is like very watchable. Yeah, Girl on the Train is very watchable. I would say, like, of the three, though, like, Girl on the Train is at the bottom for me. Yep. Sharp Objects is at the top. Sharp Objects is fucking phenomenal with Amy Adams and Chris Messina. It's a miniseries on HBO. It's incredibly worth watching. Hmm. It's so fucking good. Oh, so we have a lot of positive ones to say because my other one is also super positive. And as another thing that I need to be banned from talking about, but another show I finished with my mom. We... Yeah, bingo. Uh, bingo. Four corners. Um, <laughs> Mama's boy. So, yeah, we, we went on a call. We we don't do technology, so it was pure speakerphone watching it together. It was, you know, it's a move. Um, but it was. That's so cute. Stacia. Stacia. Um, Station 11, which is based off a 2014 book that I loved by Emily St. John Mandel. And it is about a pandemic kills 99.9% of the population. Uh, okay. God, I wish. Yeah. Not just a cultural Jesus reset for you. Christ. You're like. No, just start fresh. <laughs> Total annihilation. And then, I love uh, that movie too. Oh, yeah. Annihilation. Yeah. That's a movie that's gotten a lot of extra attention. So sorry, you said it was a miniseries. I did. I didn't say it was a miniseries, but it is a miniseries. Yes. Oh, sorry. I I, I only I knew that it was a miniseries because I was also yes, looking at that show. Truly excellent. I, even though critics did give it very good uh, marks, I was I was so in love with it that when I saw like that audience ratings were like middling, I was like, how dare! And I read it, and I'm like, no, they make sense. Like they're just like it's slow, and I'm like, it is slow, but it's good. <laughs> mm-hmm. So. It is an HBO Max show, and it 
it stars Mackenzie Davis as this girl named Kirsten, who is in a play of King Lear before the pandemic. She's a little girl. So she's in this play and the main actor in it dies on stage from, guess what? It's going to be the flu. Um, of course, you don't know that time. He has a heart attack. He's like a celebrity turned trying to do Shakespeare to gain legitimacy. You find out in a back room that they're like, like in, a, in the dressing room, not a back room, not a back room, in a dressing room that she likes to hang out with him because her parents <laughs> seem to be a little neglect for something. And so they, they like get along really well. And uh, what you see is a scene with him with this uh, previous lover of some kind. You don't see the backstory yet. Uh, but she gives him this book that she had made called Station Eleven. And she says, I finally completed it. And it's this comic book. And that comic book is Kirsten gets. And then Kirsten meets with this guy in the audience called Jeevan, who actually goes up on stage to try to save uh, or like try to help um the guy's name's Arthur Leander, but the guy who plays King Lear. Dying help him and then helps her because her parents don't show up after the plays like canceled. So they end up actually leaving. And as they're leaving and taking the train, the, the news of the world goes crazy. And there's this worldwide pandemic sweeping and they end up not being able to get her home to her parents. And so they end up having to go, they stock up on supplies and they go up to his Jeevan's brother named Frank apartment. What the story becomes is then you flash forward to the future. It's 20 years after the pandemic's killed everyone. They managed to survive, but you don't know how. Um, and you see that other people, if you didn't die from the, the flu, the problem was going outside would almost certainly kill you from things. And so people who didn't have a large store of supplies to live out when before everyone died from the flu were also in trouble. So a huge portion of the population dies. But 20 years later, little communities have sprouted up around the world. And Kirsten runs this thing called the Traveling Sympathy, or Symphony, oh my God. She runs a thing called the Traveling Symphony, which is they do Shakespeare plays and have an orchestra, and they go from town to town, making sort of bar bargains with them for their food and resources to give them entertainment. What the show is really about Traveling is minstrels. after the play, after it's clear that there's a whole Mad Max period that's happened. Kirsten herself is obsessed with knives, and you see that she's incredibly adept with them. Because that thinks, but now they're past that phase. And the question is, what now to do with civilization? You know, we're in a new stage. What to do with all that stuff we have from the past? And it is this incredible meditation on the uses of art through something as simple as this comic book written by this woman and only published five of, which becomes Kirsten and this other character's Bible throughout the book. Basically, it's what helps them get through the trauma. For others, it's Shakespeare or music. Um, through the orchestra and things like this. And these pieces of art help them cling to something beyond survival in these situations. And I just think it is so beautiful, so good. And what I will say too, is that I have not seen a show do this before where I think it is way above the level of the book. I think it's actually, so some people are upset because it changes a lot from the book, which is true. I think it, it is almost exclusively improvements. The book is solid, but feels a little sort of tight and finished. Like there's just kind of like, it gets its one story done. Here they expand on the storylines of all the characters. And I think in a beautiful way, like I just think there's so much character development, so much reasons why the characters end up where they are or what they do in a way that just made my heart sing. I absolutely loved it. Whenever I get to watch these shows with my mom, it's just 
these we watch them tend to like once a week, twice a week episode at a time. And I just love watching prestige dramas in that way. It just gives me time to sit with everything that's going on. And so just another one of these shows that just absolutely worked for me. So yeah, even though a lot of other things are going wrong in my life, like I just keep finding media. I am just like 10 out of 10 obsessed with. Like, I just love this shit. <laughs> that's going to be an instant watch for me, I think. By the sounds of it, that's exactly what I want to be watching yeah, right now. Yeah, for some people, obviously, during the pandemic, it it can go either way. Some people, I think, would really find it hard to watch because it feels so close. But for other people, you know, sometimes you want to be in the, I don't know, the mood of the very thing you're within. I think even even despite the circumstances, that's the kind of story I really like um that actually really interestingly segues into what i was trying to watch but gave up on (laughs) okay an actual segue not me just forcing this is a straight up segue (laughs) so uh, i used to love comic books i used to write about them i used to review them i used to interview creators used to i really loved the work of a certain comic uh writer who he produced a series i didn't love it was called why the last man which was like a post-apocalypse story Uh, i don't know that one so there's like some kind of a like a like a virus and it kills every man every male being on the planet animals and otherwise uh, except for one dude and who now has a super harem yeah basically but uh (laughs) and it's and it's and it's so much more about like yeah it's 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 not my favorite of his but it's but uh they turned it into a tv show which oh, also got I'm surprised I hadn't heard about it, it at also, all. because it also got promptly canceled. That. So I, I I had like the first couple episodes like Yeah. Because like the biggest thing that I the biggest like critic review that I heard that was like it, it got yeah. pretty like pretty like massively panned. And one of the biggest reasons that like critics disliked it so much is that it's it's a comic series and and a and a show about a world that is almost exclusively overrun with like just women. There's only one dude and basically every aspect of yeah. the show pretty much only features the dude. And like, there's not a lot of fleshing out of any of the women. And it's like very weird energy in a post me too era where it's like, we're just going to focus the on this only too. man that exists. That's the thing is like so much of, of women. The, the comic book is caught up in how he's just like a bumbling moron. Who's just like lucky to be alive. And all the women have like these like fully realized backgrounds. They all have like roles. They're all important. Tr- the comic tries to act as a subversion of so many like comic tr- not tropes because it's all comics are male dominated yeah, like but the dude is supposed to be kind of mary Sue-ish. he's supposed to be yeah and then apparently in the know, show they just like he's like the perfect boyfriend yeah <laughs> and then yeah so like the show got canned pretty immediately before i even saw the the critical reviews were um so i didn't even end up watching it i was just like ah whatever i maybe i shouldn't hold out hope for comic books becoming uh anything outside of sequential art books um so I instead, know, that Watchmen show was pretty oh, rad. Loved I I couldn't watch it. Um, and this isn't me being contrarian. Um, like I have an ethical reason I do not want to watch it. <clears throat> DC copyright holders of Watchmen wrangled the rights from it from the people who created Watchmen and have fought a multiple decade long mm. legal Jesus. battle against the creative the people who designed and made it because it was so lucrative. So the people who created it are getting zero dollars from it and every couple years dc must produce a new property in the watchman under the watchman name to maintain their legal rights so 
I'm not, I don't give any money to DC for things that they steal. Yeah, that's how that works. I'm, yeah, I'm sure it was great though. I heard really good things. I just, I, it's one of those things. It's, it's, it's like the Lord of the Rings show. I can't watch it. It's just not ethically where I want to be. But, uh, yeah, so I couldn't watch Why the Last Man. I I gave that one up. Uh, so I watched It Chapter 2, uh, which came out like fucking... That's so funny. I don't even know if you guys noticed, but I made a joke about that when you said like, you did. I, yeah, and, and I, I was and like, my that's eyebrows so wild. <laughs> yeah, I watched it. I I have nothing that I want to say about it other than don't watch it. Yeah. Did you like one? Did you like part, part one? Part one was really fun. It's not great. And then yeah. part two uh, that's a pretty is common a movie. Opinion. So uh, let's move on. <laughs> I've got nothing to say about it. Nothing at all. Yeah. I don't think it deserves a spot. <sighs> mm. There was a lot of stuff that they like shoehorned into like chapter two because they realized that they didn't but include. They missed the like, orgy. It, no, that's not the part I'm talking about. But, but like they made chapter two basically solely about like almost the entirety of what the kids do through the through the entire book, and then chapter one, the bulk of it is like about them as adults. But like the portion in the book of them as adults is so short, like, and it's interspersed throughout the story yeah. that it's like. Mm. there's not enough content there so then they had to like add in more stuff with the kids but then obviously they wanted to take out the orgy thing which in fairness was very much the right call but they took out a lot of the stuff about the deadlights and like where pennywise comes from and what pennywise's purpose is and like how that story interconnects with like the dark tower stuff and i'm not saying they needed to like include the dark tower stuff but they also made the dark tower movie around that time and it's like and that also sucked so it was like weird not because you could have just had it as an we could have had an alternative universe yeah where we have a stephen king extended universe at this point they tried exactly like there's literally no reason not to do that when well, they yeah. were remaking like, all think, of the stephen um, king properties around that time anyway it's just like i think universal studios was trying to get a dark universe off the ground with like the, the mummy and then and then they tried they wanted to do like frankenstein and dracula and oh, shit God. and it all it all flopped mm. and so i think they that pivoted sucked. to stephen king unsuccessfully but like yeah, yeah it's unfortunate because they so they originally um like Andy Muschietti did this the uh, it movies and like Andy Muschietti's fine he's not like a bad director by any stretch he does some decent stuff but originally I think it was either supposed to be or they tried to get it was the Duffer Brothers yep. um who very the Duffer Brothers do Stranger Things they're very clearly lifelong fans of Stephen King uh, because Stranger Things is pretty much just the Dark Tower in it. Um, and then a little bit of the Goonies sprinkled on top for, like, fun 80s vibes. So I, I actually do think they probably would have done, like, a little bit more faithful of an adaptation of it. And I think they probably would have done it in two parts because that book is a fucking tome. Um, so be yeah, it's like a thousand pages. Yeah, it would be impossible to do it in one movie, regardless of who the directors were. But I, I do think it would have been a little bit more accurate to the book i think they probably still would have elected to remove the child orgy i do think it's weird how like aggressively sexualized andy muschietti chose to make the girl in it like that was an odd choice there's a lot of like shots of her ass in both movies i'm glad i wasn't paying attention to those that's really terrible yeah well there's a scene where they're jumping into the watering hole and she's like giving them bedroom oh eyes yeah fuck dude like i'm one of the boys and then jumps in and you get a shot of her ass and then there's a scene 
where she's in like the uh, pharmacy and there's like a tight oh, zoom boy. in on her ass and a pair of like Daisy Duke shorts. I'm like, and she's supposed to be like fucking 11. Like it's just like a weird aesthetic choice to make. Like I know the purpose was to like make it clear that she's being sexual. Like she's like, there's sort of like a undertone of like maybe she's being abused and that's in the book too. But like, it's it's just like odd to like really hyper fixate on that, but then like remove a lot of the stuff mm. about like racism and yeah. like but, but keep in bashing that's in the books. That's <sighs> well, like that's what I liked about the opening of discussed in the yeah. books. Not just keep in, but like expand yeah. on, just very intensely expand on like the like weird sexualization. That, that's actually of what I think girl. kept me in part two for a lot. That that it begins with the queer bashing storyline, and I and I was interested to see where that would go. I don't know, it went particularly good places, and some of the some of the like dream sequence or like the like nightmare sequences I liked. I thought they were cool, but yeah, as an overall plot and feeling, especially when you get to like. I think the, the movie final battle. I was yeah. like, oh my God, this is, this is a disaster. There's also some like surprisingly bad CGI in it. Like, oh, all of it's laughable, like bad. After Effects was, shit. And like weirdly bad because they used a lot of practical effects and then overlaid it with CGI, which was like yep. just not the right call. Because you had some amazing like practical effects. Yeah. Like you've got that like weird demon painting chick, which was like, it was all practical effects. I saw the like mm-hmm. set like set pictures and stuff of the guy who was in that makeup. I can't remember his name now. Was it Doug it Jones? Cool. I Doug Jones. It's always Doug Jones. <laughs> I think it was both Doug Jones and the Spanish guy that Doug Jones works with a lot. Mm. I think they were both in it because I think the painting one might have been one of them, and then the creepy like heroin addict. No, like, you know the, the homeless guy? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was Doug, One I think. was one of them, and I think the other one was the Spanish guy who mm. might have also been in Mama. The, like, mm. ghost in Mama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's the Spanish guy. But anyway, Doug Jones is in it. And you see, like, the actual makeup effects, and it looks fucking pretty decent. But when you watch it in the movie, you can tell that it's, like, been smoothed over with this weird CGI stuff. And it makes it look so shitty and so cheap. It's like just odd mm. choices like that. I think um, I, I don't want to give this movie any more uh, airtime because it's because it's such horseshit. But I'm, I'm yeah, we really disobeyed your one command. Uh, about I it. just um, I know, but, I'm sorry, I dug uh, in. No, no, I think I think I think the best summation of that whole movie was just choices. The movie where like the creative team was like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna make some fucking choices, and like <laughs> they they took out a lot of things from the book that they should have taken out, and they kept a lot of things that they probably should have taken out and then decided that the things that they did keep from the book they just were not going to elaborate on it's that fucking like david lynch interview where it's like eraser head is my most uh, spiritual film and the guy's like oh elaborate mm-hmm. on that he's like no uh, like the gay bashing scene is actually what took me out of the movie and it's the opening fucking scene where i saw it and i was like i know this is from the book i know this is a reference to a real life murder that happened yeah the book the movie better fucking do something with this and Mm. the and then the finale of the movie one of the characters ambiguously admits to being maybe bisexual and i was like really that's the culmination which like and that's not even the culmination in the book that's the crazy thing it's like you have those bully characters are the (laughs) ones who end up yeah like those bully characters are the ones who end up being like confused and questioning their sexuality and that's the parallel (laughs) 
And he doesn't even have a scene in the movie other than him breaking out of the institution, which Look, which I'm is not, also like... Ugh. I'm not totally mad that they took out that really weird graphic, like, dick-sucking scene in the woods between I don't those, think about those that. two bullies. Like, I'm, I'm not mad that they removed <laughs> that, but, like, they probably could have leaned into some of the homoeroticism in that weird bully cult a little bit more, because it would have made more sense when the, like... Pennywise sends like the dead version of his friend to him in the institution to try and manipulate him into killing these like adults. It would have made more sense if you had have had that like weird romance, like homoerotic, confused, abusive like relationship outlined better between them when they were young. I think ultimately, because because I had to look up like what what was the reason why they even kept in the gay bashing scene because they got a lot of negative flack for it yeah they did. and they were just like oh we wanted to stay really true to the book and then i and as someone who read the book i was like mm. y'all didn't you you shit the yeah. bed you couldn't even do that fucking right like why no why even bother like why keep the hate crime in there if you're not gonna even try to make some kind of diegetic well and they took out like most of, of the like racism stuff with the like all of it one black character yeah they made it like oh he grew up in like a crack house and his parents died in a fire and it's like his parents were burned alive by fucking clan members yes they took all like, of that out because we wanted to what? stay faithful to the book which feels more racist. Like, making them die in, like, a crack den is way more racist than just addressing mm -hmm. that racism existed in Maine in the 50s. Yeah. It's like super Again, it's, weird. It's, it's choices the movie and all the choices they made were shit ones. Don't watch that movie. It's garbage. Uh... <laughs> It is super weird choices. Super, yeah, we skipped. We, we fast forwarded through like the whole thing uh, after a certain no, point because we were just like, like we're like, what what the fuck's happening? It's unfortunate. We watched some another of those kid movie, actors though. were pretty dope though. They killed it. They did a great yeah, job. Those kids rocked that shit. Yeah, those kids. And Bill Hader better. was like a interesting and solid choice as the adult version of one of those kids. Like he was good. He he did really well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all the good I can say. That's fair. Well, James James McAvoy's good in everything he's fucking in because he is just yeah. I like James phenomenal in everything. The weird thing uh, about Bill, though, like the like the stutter is like a big part of his character as a kid, and the stutter mm. returning as an adult is like a big signifier that he's starting to remember what happened to them in Derry. Oh yeah, and like there's almost no stutter in him in a child like it's very bare there's only a couple of scenes where he's actually stuttering yep. and then as an adult he's got like this insane stutter and like fucking immediately and you're just like this doesn't <laughs> this is wildly odd acting choices as a childhood stutterer uh i was like i like fist up in the sky i was like that's a good stutter that guy's got but uh yeah what was the other thing we watched guys <laughs> yeah. oh yeah the actual movie so, we watched this well, week yeah before we're all dead tired yeah. oh yeah i'm fading jump into the yeah the movie we watched uh tonight which was prisoners directed by denis villeneuve and it is one of his earlier films i don't believe it was his first or second but i think it's like right up there with his like early works uh and it was an early works where he really got together like the star-studded cast that we I don't think any of us expected it to be like this packed and yet yeah, like I mean really 2013 I was saying like it's nine years ago so it's like seeing oh Viola Davis so young Hugh Jackman so young it's funny because it was it's Hugh Jackman after like at least 
one or two X-Men movies, but it's like... 2013? That would have been like post the reboot X-Men movies, I think. Or post the first one, at least. I'd have to look it up, but yeah. That's okay. But he looked like pretty young in it. It was kind of wild. He looked really young for part of it. Yeah. (laughs) He very quickly aged. And then... uh, Jake Gyllenhaal looked pretty much like how he looks now. Yeah, still like, just like a, looks a little fresh child. Yeah, I mean, this is after almost uh, every single Brian Singer X-Men movie. Did almost he, every did... single X-Men movie that Hugh Jackman was in. Oh, really? <laughs> I, even the yeah. reboots? The first X-Men movie came out in 2000. We were no, I mean, way like, um, I mean the reboots. Um, That's wild. Uh, Days of Future, whatever, and the one that followed that. And then the I other mean, one Apocalypse that followed that. Apocalypse came out in 2016 wow yeah what a shit movie. so like we are way off on our timelines yeah. guys so yeah so this is yeah. he i thought i thought it had to be like a decent amount before but i just i can't believe he is 13 years older than his first appearance as logan like it just doesn't yeah. comp- compute in my mind yeah he still looks so good yeah it's just wild and so what the movie's about is two families daughters young daughters six years oldish Both are aligned in dignity <laughs> <laughs> it popped into and my head. they uh one family uh is hugh jackman as the father and um maria bello and then um bella davis and i don't know the guy actress at all terrence howard <laughs> i said actress. it like seven times while we were watching the fucking movie his name is terrence howard yeah i'm just i'm not a i'm not a names person i don't i don't think that show that stuff. I, empire, i've never seen him other stuff so that show he was in that show empire and then he was the original roadie in iron man before he was recast mm. with don Cheadle for being a little bitch on set mm. <laughs> so those two families are obviously very concerned about their daughters being kidnapped they talk to the police and jake gyllenhaal is on the case he plays a detective who looks like a he looks like a he looks like a hard-boiled like gang member yeah, yeah it's very interesting choice <laughs> yeah he's like he's yeah. got like he hand tattoos like an neck tattoos knuckle tattoos and he's pretty unhinged during like that that's the thing he's not he's very contr- he's very much trying to control his like instincts and then has like moments where he goes he's also kind of like a bad cop like just in he, general he's a, he, he, he plays like a, a sociopath from the start like the, you like, just think everything he does is sociopathic. I yeah, I don't think he's a sociopath. Yeah, he I just seems think, like I think pretty we're really regular. reducing his role. I think in the in the opening of the movie when he's in the in the Chinese de- interrogation room. No, he's oh, in the no. he's in the Chinese um restaurant just eating his fucking he's just, noodles. When he's like he's like, uh, I'm just reading the zodiac. Like I was, I'm a dragon. What are you? And the lady's like, I was, mm-hmm. I'm a monkey. And and he's like, oh yeah, that means you must be good at influencing. people. He's just like he's weird. And then it doesn't get less weird. weird, man. I think he's just like a weird dude. Yes. He also blinks really weird. And he has like a, a Freemason ring on. Oh, is that what the symbol was? Yeah. Yes, that makes sense. He has sense. a Freemasonry symbol. And then his, on his... finger tattoos are all the different uh, Western Zodiac symbols. Yeah. The, um, he's obsessed with the Zodiac. Sagittarius and stuff. I do think there were some like aesthetic choices made in this movie that were completely fucking inexplicable. It's just like, there's no one... Nothing about his appearance, his tattoos, his obsession with, like, the Zodiac, none of that is addressed or no. in any way pertinent no. to his character in this film. It's just, like, it just it just exists. Mm-hmm. It's just in it. Yeah, I mean, I would take it as it's just supposed to be without telling you that 
he clearly came from a past that wasn't this wasn't his only job basically I, sure. um but like there say, are a lot of ways actually, to um, convey that without giving him knuckle no, tattoos. No, it was, a, it was a very strong, <laughs> like strong choice odd. in that direction. I think uh, I think we should actually backtrack a little bit and actually like solidify the plot before we dive too deep. Yeah, um, Joseph, Joseph, you, I, I, it was my fault. If anything, so then it was. Yeah, you were saying that their kids got abducted. Yes, and so Jake Gyllenhaal is on the case, and right away, I I don't know exactly what happens, but like he right away finds a guy who's pretty clearly connected to the case uh in this rv and in the parking lot of the restaurant that he's at right (laughs) and runs runs down guy gets back up rubber and they they kept the the guy crashes into a tree and they catch him right away this is like five not five 10 to 15 minutes into the movie so you're like okay what is going on here that we've already captured this guy but this is where the title comes in and we get to the real depths of the movie which is that they can't hold him they don't have actually that much evidence and yet that he can be charged. So he gets out of jail within the 20, uh, 48 hour holding period after interrogation. They just can't get information out of him. Hugh Jackman, though, during that period is so upset that the guy is going to get out. And he's like, this guy is clearly involved with the killing. We've got to like deal with this in a much more rigorous way. So then basically those families have to begin making choices about how to take justice into their own hands or how to find these girls in their own way when they just see that the the police can't bend the rules enough to clinch this case fast enough because we know that the timelines for these cases of especially to find the girls alive is very tight. And that's what the story goes. It becomes about moral compromises to how far would you go in order to accomplish what needs to be done to find these girls. And the family and the detective all are making these kind of choices. And this is so classic Villeneuve. All of his movies have some kind of moral dilemma like this at the heart of it, where the main character is like so interested in like how far across the line is. Mm-hmm. Um, most Mostly Sicario is what I'm thinking of yeah. that has very much the same kind of tensions. Yeah. And then it, it like... But in Cindy's too. It's 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 definitely one of his movies, and you can tell because like so much of it is, I'm not gonna say setting, but it's like that like the 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 landscape is an emotional one. Like there's really only like three sets. There's like the homes of the fa- of the yep. one family of the, of the two families. There is the place where huge. Uh, I guess we can spoil it, right? It came out in 2013. I think at this okay, point, I'll spoil it. Safe. So, uh, Hugh Jackman. Well, we always spoil yeah, it all, Hugh, anyway. Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Um, he, I, I guess I forgot is an old one. Could be a movie that came out yesterday, and we're like, let's go. Okay, five minutes in. Dune we're ready. is about uh, worms. Nah. Uh, <laughs> um, so Space Hugh Jackman. Drugs. Hugh Jackman abducts the the guy who is suspicious and maybe involved, and puts him literally and like chains him to a to a sink in an abandoned house and tortures him for a, a week straight to get information and like the whole and that's one of the sets and then one of the other places is like the familial home of the guy who Hugh Jackman has imprisoned unlawfully and the whole movie is texturally super interested in uh and it, and it ties into the title like each character is a prisoner in some way. Their hands are tied in their ability to actually get justice done and save the kids and find what the truth is of all this. But each of them are fighting against those bonds to come to some conclusion. And unfortunately, like... He's, he's overly clever with the title. It's literally like every single character is in multiple ways, like imprisoned prisoner, yeah. in this. 
Like there's, there's many characters physically imprisoned. There are characters who are emotionally imprisoned yeah. by other people. And that's very relevant to the plot. There's a lot of gaslighting. And then, yeah, it's so it's, you know, but it's a good um, thriller story. Like, in, or how do I say it? But the mystery thriller story in the sense of where you're, you have a lot of cool twists. I found it. I don't think any of us guessed the exact things of how it was going to go. No. It was very hard to tell like where plot's going. But it all to me was I don't think it was like overly clever. I think it was. It was a, you know, a mystery that was a little convoluted, but it made sense in the end. It was really interestingly assembled. Like there there were two red herrings, but both red herrings weren't just uh, they're not they're not just like useless chases that lead you away from the plot. They tie back in indirectly in a way that actually makes the central tension more interesting. Like so there, there's two main yeah. suspicious people uh, in the case. There's a young man named Alex. So this is definitely if you if you want the plot uh, surprises, you definitely want to stop yeah. listening now. Um, uh, there's a young man named Alex who, uh, from the start of the movie, is kitted out like uh, the kind of creeper you'd expect to see in like a children's PSA on TV. And then Played the other by one is Paul Dano. Yeah, and he's got like mm-hmm. the big glasses and he's kind of greasy. And then the other suspect is a gentleman who just he plays he plays the creep in every movie, uh, but also you see him break into homes. And then as both of those characters are interrogated and in some way kind of tortured to get information about the trial, you find out slowly, like tangentially, that both of them were actually just children who had previously been abducted and abused. And that's why they're so weird. Like the one Alex character is basically nonverbal and the other one is quite literally well, like and- nonverbal and is like fixated on one of his traumas, which is the book of maps that the abductors would make the kids do. Mazes. While they're on like crazy psychedelic drugs. Sorry, mazes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's super interesting. I I was actually a little bit frustrated with the movie because it's it's a long one. It's two and a half hours, and mm-hmm. I felt that the red herrings were just that. They were just distractions. And for a movie that long, I was like, you can't be wasting my time. And then it turns out that it's like, oh, like the pursuit of justice actually led us to harm two adults who are actually just abused children who the law could not help. Uh, it was super cool. Yeah, I'm. It's it's very villainous to have like all these like morally compromised characters, and like by the end, it's like it's it's funny because it almost the op- opposite happened. What what I thought, which is I thought all the tragedies would happen, the girls would be dead, reversals would happen, and things. But instead, it's you get all, all the things you want at the beginning, which is save the girls, get the get the bad guy. All of that's accomplished. The problem is along the way you did every possible thing yeah. to be horrible deeply unsatisfying because of how compromising or how compromised exactly. every other character becomes so there also is so- no like hero it's and and realistically like there truly is no hero a lot of like what's figured out is like last minute happenstance and none mm-hmm. of that information is secured by all of the terrible things that these characters went through previously in the film like they do all of these horrible immoral things to try and save these children none of it is effective none of it is how they find them it's just like something is said and it clicks for one of the characters and he's like i know where they are yeah i thought it was really interesting though because like like joseph said like the start of the movie we're like what are they doing to these kids like they're abducting them it's like it's going to be gross whatever it is and in the end it turns out that 
the reason for the abductions is actually like a non sequitur. I was going to want to talk about this. It's like I know. I was like, what is going? That, what? That yeah. What was the bit. reason for the abductions? There, what, there wasn't. So like, it, it's basically like a like a mom and pop cult with no members. They abduct yeah. kids to make their parents lose faith in God. They're waging a war against God, is what they said. But yeah, I what, think I think realistically, level I, I truly think that whole thing is just meant to be like their insane justification for murdering children. Yeah. Like, I think really that's the end goal. They just like want to murder kids um, mm-hmm. or like damage kids, traumatize kids, because we know that a couple of them have escaped and survived, right? Like the David Dalmalshian character and the Paul Dano character yeah. are survivors. But the issue with the Paul Dano character is like, this mom and pop situation, the pop has gone missing. He's disappeared. So it's just mom now. And she kept Alex. She kept the Paul Dano character. One of the kids they abducted. Yeah. Yeah. One of the kids son. that they abducted, she raised, quote unquote, raised him and claimed to be his aunt. Mm-hmm. So he's like in his 20s now and is completely fucked, mm-hmm. but fully convinced that like that's his home. Well, not fully. We learn. We no, learn at some but, like, point. Enough yeah. that like there's enough fear he and fears trauma them enough. and like damage there that like they can let him leave. Like she can let him leave in the RV and go out and do his thing, knowing that he will return. He'll come knowing right back. he'll come back. Mm-hmm. I th- I think uh, what you were saying, Joseph, though, is really interesting because you're you're, you're right. Like they you expect them to front pack the tragedies like the girls are dead you, you just assume it from the start and the characters all assume it at some point but the two children who actually did get irrevocably damaged are the two who are already adults mm-hmm. like the two kids who the who the, the like the, the system of law had already failed it was alex and then the other guy um who i don't think got a Billy? proper name i don't i don't recall because bobby bobby it was bobby Bobby? Yeah, Alex and Bobby, Bobby, who, like, you meet as adults, and immediately you, you read their mannerisms as, like, oh, they're fucking weirdos. So, And then one gets tortured basically to death, and one ends up having to kill himself because he doesn't have the facilities to communicate his traumas. It was so, it was yeah. so weird because instead of getting the catharsis from the quote-unquote bad guys getting getting it, at the end, the it's like the bad person is this old woman who just gets shot twice, and then she's she's asleep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Super cool. No, it's clearly about the compromise of the heroes mm-hmm. more than the what I like is like it gives you everything you wanted at the beginning. You got everything you wanted, and it's like, was it worth it? Like, do you think <laughs> like you know? And I think you know, it's it's again, there's there's this there's always this layer of over cleverness with Villeneuve. But he is often interested in an entertaining film. So his films, they, ne- they to me, never get as as pretentious as like an Aronofsky or a mm. uh, like Prometheus or whatever. Yeah. So that's nice. But he also, you know, he is interested in these like intricate moral questioning uh, plots. Mm-hmm. It it did or, uh, or to Lydia's credit, it did make for like a somewhat kind of like not convoluted, but kind of like watered down resolution. Mm-hmm. but mm. it was something it was quite it was it was definitely a ride like two and a half hours of like of like feeling disquieted and feeling uncomfortable yeah. and I not really think, like, wanting anyone to win 
This is you know this I mean? is like the tiniest gripe, but like to go almost two hours into the movie and then all of a sudden add like three fade to black moments was a very odd. Oh, yeah, that was weird. That was choice. really weird. There was, was super, a few fade to black. Because it doesn't blacks. happen at any other point in the movie. Like the whole movie runs and none of that happens, and then there's like three separate scenes in the epilogue, like in the conclusion, where it's just like. A thing is about to happen, like a clear climactic moment is about to happen, and right before it does, it just fades to black, and you, and then yeah. the new scene fades in, and it's com- like totally unrelated. He's just he's he always pushes these like overly clever moments, and it's just like odd. you know, it's things, like an odd choice. My my dumb gripe about the movie is the siblings, which I swear they don't have a purpose in this movie. The like siblings. I don't get it. Yeah. Oh, the siblings of the girls who get abducted. Yeah, yeah, yeah like. It's almost there. It, he, you know, uh, look, not Logan, giant baby. Oh my God, giant baby, Dylan, giant baby, man. Dylan, Manette. Uh, Dylan. Yeah, I mean, he's in it, especially at the beginning, a lot, and yeah. it's like he comes up twice more, and it's like completely irrelevant and, to anything. And so does the sister of the other girl who was abducted. Yeah, I think part of it is to show like how immediately neglectful these parents become of their remaining children. Because you see Terrence Howard and Viola Davis sure. literally leave their other daughter to go and confront um, Hugh Jackman. Leave That's her true. alone in an unlocked house. Don't tell her they're leaving immediately after their daughter, their other daughter has just been abducted. And of course, when they come That's back, actually true. the yeah. daughter's pissed. And then oh, you and see also the creep was Hugh in the Jackman. house. And the creep is in the house. Mm-hmm. And then you see, well, the creep is in the other house at that I time. But you both. see, I don't know. Um, but then you see. Dylan Minnette, who is Hugh Jackman and Maria Bello's son, and Hugh Jackman is just never there because he's torturing this poor man who is also a victim, and he's unaware of that, and he's drinking, and he's just, like, in general, terrible, and Maria Bello is conked out on fucking tranquilizers and bedridden, and... Their son is just completely left alone to try and, like, hold his own shit together. So I think it's supposed to show not only are they compromising their basic morals, but they're also compromising themselves as parents and are immediately becoming neglectful of their remaining child solely because they're so focused on finding the missing one. Yeah. But they, but it's just, it's so, like, minuscule, like, those moments are so tiny that it's really hard to like recognize that these characters have any like are adding any true value to the story. Like you could That's just as easily say. show them as like shitty members of society and like kind of neglecting their responsibilities without giving them another child that's like wholly underdeveloped as a character. It it almost felt as if like it was probably three and a half hours. Then he cut. That's what part. I was gonna say. Is like if, if there was like a bunch of extra f- footage on like the cutting room floor, I bet it was with the elder siblings because truly. Probably. One of them had one line in the whole movie, the sister of yeah. mm-hmm. uh, the one of the girls that was abducted. And the brother has two lines, effectively. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of the few parts of the movie that felt like truly wasteful in a movie that's like two and a half hours long. Yeah, I think I think you could have done this almost more effectively if they had have been younger siblings, not older. Oh, it's a lot easier to like underdevelop the character and not give them a ton of lines, but immediately portray the parents as neglectful if they're younger children. But when you have children that are like 16 or 17, 
they they kind of can be left alone in a lot of circumstances and like it's not weird uh, sure they're not being like emotionally supported in this trauma but like when you don't give those characters any lines or flesh them out in any way it's really hard to truly show that they're being emotionally neglected but with a smaller child it's easy to show that they're being emotionally and physically neglected without giving them a lot of like character development because they're little so you leave a little kid alone in a house immediately you think the parent is neglectful that's a really immediate fix for 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 that slash like Mm -hmm. you know midsection cut of the movie that's a really smart fix lydia (laughs) i need to we need to rework the script i think (laughs) Every now and again, I'm a smarty. (laughs) Every now and again, I I have a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think, like, I don't want to, like, be too verbose, but I do want to say I just, like, I did enjoy the movie. Like, Mm -hmm. it... it, I, I, I thought it was very good. It did feel like... It felt punishing, like it was that kind of a watch, where it was like... yeah. It reminds me of like not not exactly not and certainly not thematically, but like I remember when I was reading The Road for the first time, like Cormac mm. McCarthy, that that like cold kind of like foreboding like weight that I felt reading it, like how every time I turned the page, I was just like more horrible things will wait for me, but I you know the act of flipping the page needs to happen regardless. Watching the movie felt that like it was oppressive and it was like so moody. And I didn't want to enjoy it. And then at the end, I was like, okay, all right, I enjoy it. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I feel that but, way but about a really lot of to... films, if I'm honest. Yeah, and I, mm. I feel like with this one, too, like, it really begs the you to be patient with it. Because, like, it doesn't, it doesn't waste your time. It doesn't, like, it doesn't treat the viewer as, like, we're stupid. But if you're not paying attention, if you're missing certain things in certain scenes it will at some point be like you're gonna be like what the hell just happened what's what's even happening in the movie um and i was lucky i got to like truly watch it without any distraction it was really really worth it we're talking constantly chatting like crazy were you muting us that's was focused yeah that's focused i'm i don't know i was um i have a lot of sounds going on in the basement right now um Mm. my spouse my spouse is actually like three feet from me i was eating dinner i was you you guys were on the movie was on i'm like checking in on my spouse yeah. I, I i'm 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 a good mom i'm good at just, multitasking yeah. we're just the screaming kids in the background and you're like i'm focused <laughs> this is the most most focused i've ever been well i was i, I really think... wanted to give it the like my attention that's the yeah. thing is i wanted i didn't know it was a villeneuve uh otherwise i would have been like maybe on it because i think he's probably one of my favorite one of my uh, favorite directors mm-hmm. but yeah, me too. I just really wanted this movie to to pay it out, and it did. Yeah, it's funny. Even though, yeah, I really liked it. I actually don't have that much more to say, but I think the motifs of like the labyrinths and mazes everywhere is just like funny. It's like been so overused it's now that silly. it feels like a bit like thing. But I'm like, yeah. you know, it's almost like a it is what it it's is. It's comic book villainy where it's just like yeah. there's a bunch of. That's actually the one thing I it will took say. me out of it a bit. It felt a little surreal. Yeah, I'll criticize the movie for, for that. No reason. Uh, there's a lot of like pictures of evidence of and of things where there's like a, a like a labyrinth medallion and it's it's yeah. like uh it's like it's like the white rabbit except it doesn't go anywhere mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it's deeply unsatisfying that part i will give full criticism for they if they if you cut out all the bits where there's like a little labyrinth medallion much I, better that's the thing. <laughs> all you needed to do and i get why they kept it 
because he is looking at a crime scene photo of like a charred body and sees the labyrinth medallion so clearly it's the dad that or like the like her husband or whatever who was also abducting kids was like this dead body and nobody knew that who he was or that he was involved in child abductions but like basically the purpose of that medallion was to just be an identifier yeah but they also gave the kids like puzzles and mazes so it like connects to that and then the adult version of those kids are obsessed with puzzles and mazes because they were tripped out on lsd and ketamine when they were held captive so it's the only thing they really like remember from their trauma is like these fucking mazes and it's just like there's just like a lot of points where that comes up and you can see that it's like somehow important to the structure of what's going on but it, it there's no cohesive through line with it it's just like mazes are spooky and like they abduct children and give them brain teasers to keep yeah they, they give them mad libs <laughs> they gave the kids <laughs> lsd and mad libs to, Here's some to, sick to keep puzzles them <laughs> let's trip out kids and yeah. do some yeah. fucking mazes help me with these these crosswords good times and there's something like there's a post-it on the puzzle books where it's like if you complete all the mazes in this book you can go home to your family and i'm like i don't really understand what the what the goal of that was because like clearly they don't go home to their family unless they escape mm-hmm. did they ever clarify that like because they never found any dead bodies no but there was only two other than the little girls who do get away there was only two kids that survived one was the one that she kept because her husband went missing and one was one that escaped oh so there were like the implication of dead ones i think so because she talks about how she was going to kill hugh jackman's daughter she was like she told him when he got in the hole i hope you live long enough to see your daughter's body so like clearly she has no compunction about killing children and like they talk about too the crime scene tech who found the book in david delmalchian's um house after he had killed himself in the interrogation room the book is about the invisible man largely discredited like serial child abductor who abducted kids and fed them a cocktail of LSD and ketamine. So it's clearly like the person who abducted David Lomalchian and Paul Dano, eventually these two little girls, same person. He talks about how like this person abducted and murdered dozens of children over the Mm. years and then disappeared, which is, it turns out true. He did abduct children and he did disappear David Delmalchian's character is supposedly fixated on this invisible man character and has convinced himself that that's who abducted him as a child. And the police never believed him. They were like, you were just abducted and you came back, like you got away or whatever, or you ran away and you came home. I don't know why I didn't connect those. There was no evidence of his actual abduction. Like they couldn't prove he was ever actually abducted and didn't just kind of make up a fairy tale while he ran away. Because that does there were kind no of, drugs um, left in his system, right? And he was not abused in any way. So they're like, you couldn't have been abducted. You weren't abused. You aren't physically harmed. There's no drugs in your system. You're clearly manufacturing this story. But it turns out that it was true. Everything in that book was true. He was abducted, fed a bunch of drugs, given a puzzle book. All of that shit actually happened. It's just not cohesively, like, those, like, minor little moments that end up being true at the end aren't fleshed out enough because he's supposed he's i i see what villeneuve is doing he's trying to create this like maze like 
or labyrinth-like mystery. And there's mm-hmm. tons of red herrings, like these pathways that you can go down that turn into dead ends. And that, like, he's basically trying to write a movie like a maze. It's supposed to be like a maze. So there's hints on what direction to go, and they're very subtle. And then there's big red herrings that direct you in the wrong way. And that's what happens in the movie. But these subtle little hints of what's going on are so tiny that you're like, why the fuck are these insane, like, cult people killing people over God and mazes? It doesn't make any sense. And that's actually to, like, something they never touched on again. details. Right? Like, th- that actually reminds me that they never actually punctuated on the plot of the, the, the father figure of that cult. Because, like, the, mm-hmm. we know that the body in the basement of the priest is that man. But mm-hmm. they never, they never dug into that plot, and and they really should have. That would have been a really, really juicy fucking morsel. Because it's also just weird that like the uh, priest yeah. killed that dude well, and just but, like never told anyone. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's thematically it's like, I interesting, break right? My vows. Well, it is sure, it, and he's like, because, I like, couldn't break my vows yeah. to like tell you that he was a child murderer. But I also so I broke him to him. kill him. And it's like, yeah, but you. Mur- like murdering a person is objectively worse. I just mean like I just mean it's 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 an interesting um, connected Child point. Killer. Yeah, uh, it's an. It doesn't matter. <laughs> In Catholicism, it is worse to murder. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of the Ten Commandments. It's worse than breaking your vows. Yeah, a just society doesn't. You're allowed to break your vows if you think the people. person is. Yeah, like if you think the person is an immediate danger to like other people, you can break your yeah. vows typically. But uh, what what I was. I was going to say uh, it's it's that's an in- really interesting connective joint that's actually missing though mm-hmm. because the cult's whole thing is they're trying to they're waging a war against God. One of them turns to a, a cult because like a cult is just two people. Well, party's three, right? So maybe a cult is two. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> I think that's still just so, a couple. So they're waging a war against God. The leader of the couple, uh, cult people goes to a priest to confess the priest kills him and hides the body that's such an interesting connective joint that they just kind of let fall loose i think i did not make these i did not connect these dots but now hearing all this talked through and put together i'm like i really see a lot of the symbolism the cult leader is named by the book the invisible man and the maze right it the maze doesn't have a villain at the end it's just that we're the idea of it being that we're prisoners of they're prisoners of the drugs they're prisoners of the abuse and even you could say her we don't know her story but there could be a way in which she wasn't the top level right it could have been his influence over her that led her down the path we don't we don't have evidence for that per se but like he's the one who's really left thing right and then the symbolism of and i this is a moment i loved in the movie actually but when he falls down from that doorway into the basement of the priest room it is on every symbolic level, like a fall into the abyss sort of thing, right? It is pitch black. It is, there's no stairs. You fall into a pit sort of thing. And it's this moral juxtaposition. Like the priest is up there, a now morally compromised, drunk guy, whatever. But the body and the death is in this pit, which of course is then replicated in the pit that Hugh Jackman's yeah. characters goes in. And just the many, many ways people are imprisoned, Right. There were it's, two statues in the in the pit where the where they found the body yes. of the cult leader. Jesus and Mary. It maybe? was Mary, and it looked like a figure from Greco-Roman mythology. So it could be, yes, it could hypothetically right. be Hades or something, right? Hades or something. Yeah. That's I'm gonna have to rewatch. I hate that I'm gonna have to rewatch two and a half hours, but I will have to rewatch it because I want 
But I think one of the things he's trying to point out is that, it, of course, the cult leader himself was not meaningful to, like, he's not, the point isn't that there's some guy who's really bad. The point is the amount of characters who have been cycled into mm-hmm. this use and things, right? The use of all these things that have led them all into levels of depravity, including characters who started as good characters. Yeah. Who were then compromised, the priests, the parents, these people, right? Who's to say they're not just as compromised for torturing people, for neglecting their kids, for issuing you know, their the morals, many, the, the things they do, right? The many rules that are broken in the process of the investigation. And so, look, it's clever as fuck. Oh, like, you know, good job. But also you, you've, you've got symbolic levels and stuff going on. But also like, does that I like it. that also says quite a bit about the lady who remains, right? Because if the dude felt if the dude who killed the kids we assume he did all the killing, felt remorse, and went to confess his sins. I don't think that's supposed to be why he went to confess his sins. If their whole goal is to create disillusionment with God, the ultimate test would be confessing to a priest. Maybe. Because the priest yeah, murdered priest him. Gave up on God. Yeah. yeah. Gave up on God's divine justice. God yep. being the only one allowed mm. to judge and the only one allowed to put punish. He so took it yeah, into that's his own so good. Yeah, so I, guess, I did. I didn't. I didn't make that connection yeah. either. So it, yeah. it, it implies that either he was so bold as he as to think he could go and convert a priest, which I guess he did, or it, or maybe his wife was the ringleader. Right? She kept doing it after he had disappeared, mm-hmm. which is yeah. fucking weird. The wife being the ringleader is like it. It. it could be the actual thing that happened mm. but i think symbolically, symbolically in the movie yeah. it's clear that he's a, like the invisible man at the top like person the character you never see is the dead too, man the, if, the top if the wife truly was like the ringleader or like the dominant personality in their little like murder duo she wouldn't have had a need to keep alex yeah she kept yeah. alex because she needed that she almost compromised in the opposite presence. direction she failed yeah. her her mm-hmm. own evil mission yeah that really does paint it uh Man, yeah, I guess that goes to show, like, there's there's so much that needs to be digested with this movie to really see all the facets of it. All right, I think we're all super tired. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I am, I am talked out. <laughs> yeah, so we'll bid you adieu soon. Do we, do we find recommend this? a movie? Can't leave without oh, yeah. that. I mean, I think people can. <laughs> I, yeah, okay, sorry. I recommend it. Yeah. You can find us at Fans Lab Pod on Twitter and some other social media. Um, and we'd love to hear from you. If you want to recommend any movies or talk to us in any way, feel free to give us a tweet reply, whatever people do on Twitter, you know, that stuff. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.